Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Big Ten Show with the almost famous Adam Carricker and the much less famous Jeff Turn. And now, your hosts, Adam and Jeff. Hi, everybody. Welcome into the Big Ten Show. That is the almost famous Adam Carricker. I'm the much less famous Jeff Turn, and this is it. It's like landing on the moon, discovering gold in the mountains. Something called the Internet is now upon us. It is finally here. My good friend Adam Carricker and myself going to be hanging out with you all the time, talking about the Big Ten. A lot of football, but a lot of other things as well. Adam, the day is here. I just said it was like landing on the moon. I don't know how accurate that is, but I'm pretty pumped for what we're going to be able to do on this show. The moon landing doesn't hold a candle to what is happening right now, ladies and gentlemen. And and I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I know that this show is real. The moon landing still up for debate. It depends on who you talk to. You're right. This is real. I am real. Yes, I have a lot of hair and here, not much up here. But uh, we, we have a, a fun show planned today, and we will for many more days to come. Basically, you get to hang out with us and talk about the thing that we love the most, and that's sports, specifically football, a lot of the time, and a lot about the Big Ten, and a lot about what's going on in college football. So we'll have some fun. We'll, we'll, we'll sprinkle in our personality on this show, too. We both love our families a lot, and so you'll see our kids jumping in every once in a while. We'll make sure and talk about all the biggest storylines, but we're going to do it uniquely. It's not just going to be your ho-hum, run-of-the-mill Big Ten show. We promise you it'll be much more than that. And today, we're going to hang out with uh, Bobby Carpenter, who played in the Big Ten for The Ohio State. And uh, we'll chat with him about some things going on in spring football, the departure of C.J. Stroud, and how Ohio State's going to fill that void, plus much more throughout the football world. Now, Adam, uh, we just got done with March Madness, so we will sprinkle a little basketball in the conversation, but it also incorporates the transfer portal a little bit later. Where are you at right now with regards to your anticipation level for the college football season? Because, dude, it's only April. Well, a couple of things to piggyback off of what you said. He played at the Ohio State University. That's awesome. We are the. <laughs> yes. You can back me up on this. We were going to be the Big Ten football show. We were going to be. A bit, I'm like, no, 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 no. Straight up. The Ohio. The Ohio. We are the Big Ten show. Okay, and we're having some fun with this as well, obviously. And yes, a, a lot of football. You know, football is kind of the, the king, so to speak, in certain aspects right now. But we're going to talk all things. I love the fact, because I've talked Nebraska football for years, and I love Nebraska football. And I'm going to try to be as unbiased as I can on this show. And if I'm not, please hold me accountable. Sure. But I'm excited to talk about 13 more schools and eventually 15 more schools and all sorts of sports. My excitement for the college football season, it never goes away. I mean, are you kidding me? It doesn't matter if it's January, February, March, December, October. That's me. I love not just football. Here's some things people don't know about me. I didn't hunt until I was in my mid-20s. I didn't go camping. I didn't go fishing until I was in my mid-20s. My dad would be like, hey, Adam, let's go hunting. No, I got baseball. Hey, Adam, let's go fishing. No, I, I want to go lift weights. Like, I chose to do sports. Like, a typical day in the summer for me in high school was lifting in the morning. Okay. An hour football walkthrough basketball and then doubleheader baseballs at night so we love sports and it never turns off for me okay 
so for me, I was hunting and fishing in when I was 14, 15, missing school to do so. Uh, and obviously, if you look at me now, there wasn't a lot of weightlifting going on. So for me, my passion for sports was always there. But man, did it wrap up, uh, ramp up, excuse me, once I got a little bit older. And so when you're scrawny like me and you don't get to play a lot of sports, you get to learn a lot about sports and be around those that do. So we bring two great perspectives to what's going to be happening uh, on this show. We're very excited about it. And in fact, uh, we're not going to waste any more time. We're going to get to those Big Ten topics we were talking about as uh, Bobby Carpenter is going to join us now. We got him right there. Bobby, uh, this is the Big Ten show. That is the Adam character. I am the Jeff Turn, and you went to the Ohio State, so there's a lot of these going on in all of this. Uh, welcome in, buddy. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm going good, man. You know, it's right here at the end of spring ball. So, you know, for a player's perspective, if you get some sunshine outside, you get the last week of spring practice, that's pretty darn good. I want to get to Ohio State in a second, but I want to talk about the departure first of C.J. Stroud. We all know he's most likely not going to fall any farther than number four in the NFL draft. But if you were to be talking to an NFL GM about the former quarterback at Ohio State, what are some of the things you'd say on why you think or you don't think he's going to be a success or not a success at the next level? Well, he throws one of the best balls that I've seen, and you watch, obviously, the arm talent there. But that, that there's guys that have had elite arm talent before that haven't been successful in the NFL. Um, I think you go and you look at what he's been able to do over his career in the last two years of starting, going through some adversity, you know, coming back, you know, having success, handling some criticism, you know, maybe some rightfully uh, placed upon him, some not, uh, but then going and really playing a pretty remarkable game against what a lot of people consider the best defense. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, Adam. We had our first we had our first moment where Bobby Carpenter froze. One of his receivers, uh, despite being in, you know, in a bad uh, situation injury-wise. Like they, they just had a lot of stuff going on. And, you know, he has a 15-yard scramble to set up a 50-yard field goal that would have ultimately won the game. And so I looked at how he battled um, the size, the prototypical, the prototypical size, what Ryan Day does with his offense and what he asks of him. Like, there's just a lot of boxes checked. And you know, that doesn't necessarily guarantee success, but I think it gives you the best chance to be successful. All right, so you've got the number one pick in the draft. Hypothetical situation. You just traded 80,000 picks to move up to number one. Cam <laughs> rounding down. All right, you taking Bryce Young or you taking C.J. Stroud? You know, I, I like Bryce. Um, I find him to be, a, you know, an incredible young man. I've got privileged to interview him a couple of times, you know, with SiriusXM, and you'd come on. He's a phenomenal human. He throws a great ball. He's a really terrific athlete. Um, my only thing, like, is the size. And the hang-up of the size has nothing to do with his inability to throw and find windows because he's always been short. Really, I think the bigger issue that he has to deal with is – I know that you're not allowed to touch quarterbacks anymore, but if he does get hit, he is not a big guy, man. And I talked to a lot of NFL scouts and uh, front office guys who I knew from my time playing at Ohio State's Pro Day and just asking, like, how big is Bryce Young? Like, really, I don't want to hear the combine stuff and, you know, is he bloated up to 200? Like, when you shake his hand, like, does he have a big frame? I'm not talking about height. Like, is his skeletal system, like, built and, with, and equipped to be able to handle the punishing of handling you know, a 240-pound linebacker, a 300-pound defensive tackle, if they hit him. And I, I just don't know that he'll be able to survive that should he get popped really good. And that's why I would just lean on CJ. And most NFL, I think, owners, coaches, general managers, like they'd rather go down with a prototype, someone who fits the mold, the stereotype of the position that they're trying to find, as opposed to 
yeah, this guy isn't this or he isn't that, and he does it in a little less conventional way. And I think that that's the one thing you know Bryce has you know, negative. There's nothing he can do about it. He's just not a very big human. Bobby Carpenter with us here, former NFL linebacker, Sirius XM outkick, uh, played at Ohio State. Now, has there something that's changed about Ohio State quarterbacks? Because like pre-Justin Fields, it was a lot of success at college and then not a lot of success at the NFL level. And we're starting to see Justin Fields come into his own with the Bears. And the expectation is that C.J. Stroud is going to come into his own in the NFL. Has there been a change or, or, or is it just those guys being different than the other? Um, well, I think, number one, the guys are maybe a little bit different than the others. But I do think it's a change of philosophy and change of system. You know, Ryan Day, when he came in under Urban Meyer, like, they still ran the spread. Uh, but they had Dwayne Haskins starting. Dwayne wasn't a runner, like, not a runner really at all. And so they got away from that. And they started dropping back and running more of a stereotypical, prototypical offense as far as the NFL system is concerned. And you'd still run the quarterback, but it, it evolved from, you know, a lot of Q power stuff to more NFL route concepts and how you're running your drop back and some of your play action and pushing the ball down the field. So I think it's really been more a change of philosophy. And when you have a change of philosophy, obviously that's going to lead to the change of type of player you have at quarterback and maybe more of a quarterback who can run as opposed to an athlete who can just throw. And that's where I think that that metamorphosis has kind of happened. And you've seen that now you know, manifest itself with some of the players that they've had and the success that they've had. I mean, this CJ will be their third first round pick in a row. I think the Heisman, they've had a Heisman finalist for the last five years at quarterback. And so you quarterbacks will gravitate that to that system if that's the way they want to play. And then also, you know, their, their wide receivers coach, Brian Hartline, who played in the NFL for eight years, and was a terrific player in his own right. I mean, he has done nothing but recruit and develop elite wide receivers who, you know, when you're a quarterback and you see that, you're like, why wouldn't I want to play with these guys? And it also is going to help me put up big numbers. So I want to just quickly go back to, to Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, that whole top pick conversation, because it's interesting. Your reaction and your thoughts are my exact thoughts. You know, being a little undersized, talking about the frame, you don't want to get dinged up, injury concerns, things of that nature. I know it's two-hand touch of football in the NFL, but somebody might accidentally run into him at some point. How's he going to hold up with that? So that was exactly what my answer would have been. So my question with this, you look at C.J. Stroud. This is a guy who's clearly talented, clearly got a lot of ability, put up some great numbers in college football. I'm going to look to three games specifically. All right. The Michigan games, two years in a row, didn't play great, especially in crunch time in the fourth quarter. Then he goes out against Georgia, plays great ball, has his team in that game, probably could have won the game if uh, they don't get that timeout called right before the fake punt. My question for you is this. Did that Georgia game, what he did in that Georgia game, is that enough to kind of put to bed some of the concerns that may have arisen from those previous two Michigan games? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thought because those are obviously the, the two games that people look at. And like, you can't run from your film. You know, that's the reality is it's your resume. Um, I thought he played two years ago up at Michigan. I thought he played okay. Um, late in the game when you're, when you're down and you're trailing, you're trying to come back, you may press it a little bit more. And, you know, if you throw an incompletion, you're losing. If you throw an inter interception, you're losing. So you might as well try to put it in there. So I get that a little bit. This year, I didn't think he played all that bad, though. Um, you know, there was – a. He had some guys, some guys had some drops. I don't know if they necessarily had the flow that they wanted, but I don't think he played a bad game against Michigan. Was it his best? Absolutely not. But And it wasn't enough to win either. But I, I didn't think that he played poorly, probably more along the lines of average. And you want your guys to play great in big moments. So I think that that 
that changes. There are some other games where you struggle a little bit too, and you're going to have those games. I mean, I think everybody gets that. It's, you know, how do you respond? And everybody beat on him, you know, for five weeks, four weeks, whatever it was about, you know, you're not tough enough. You don't throw the, you don't run the football when you need to, you know, all these different things you know, for a long, long time fans at Ohio State, they wanted to give me a quarterback that can throw. We don't need to run it all the time. And then as soon as you get that, well, why aren't we running it on third and five with the quarterback? Yep. Like, let's see the guy scramble, go get one. Yep. You know, you want what you can't have. But I, I felt like, and this is Bill Parcells' this thing I always go back, because he's probably the greatest, one of the greatest talent evaluators the NFL has ever seen. And his argument always is like, I don't want a quarterback that started for one year. You need to be at least a two-year starter. And I don't think that has to do with talent. I think that has to do with being good and then coming back and handling expectations because that's really hard and trying to manage that and managing it with, you know, internally with your team, but managing it within yourself and not pressing and, and pushing and always trying to throw five touchdowns a game. And I thought that he did that pretty well in his final year, but I really thought where it shined was against Georgia because he had heard a lot of noise for a long time, came out and executed a game plan really well when a lot of doubters said that, you know, this is the best defense you're going to face and you're you're not going to be able to hold up. And he put together a marvelous game. And, I mean, you look at it, after Marvin Harrison Jr. went out, you know, their tight end kicked over, goes out. I mean, they had running backs go down. He was it. I mean, they, they had minimal pieces left, and he put that team on his back. So I, I think with those expectations there, that did enough for me to kind of put me over the top of saying, you know what, this guy can handle big market criticism and isn't going to shudder away from it. Bobby Carpenter hanging out with us here on the Big Ten Show. Now, Bobby, when we look at the entire landscape of the Big Ten heading into this year, the, the best win total is Ohio State, according to the odds makers, 11 wins, Michigan at nine and a half. Is it them and everybody else as we head into this year like it's been as of late? Or do you see a Penn State and Iowa being in that same stratosphere as those others? Well, first of all, Iowa's going to have to score more than like 10 points a game. <laughs> yep. Bobby, don't lie. You could be at running back and probably do better than what they've been doing, man. I mean, Caitlin Clark scored more points in five games in the NCAA tournament than their offense in the whole year. I think that might be a good defensive by the way, which they had a number of. Um, but I do think uh, Michigan is good. They're right there. Penn State is a team that they won't look at. It. They won 10 games last year. Now, they lost the two games that everybody in Penn State thinks they need to win against Ohio State and Michigan, but they have a really good young quarterback. He's from Cleveland. Um, you know, I know people in Ohio are kind of lamenting the fact that they necessarily didn't sign him, and it was part of the whole Quinn Ewers kind of debacle when he committed yeah. early and how it worked. But Drew Aller's really good, and you saw glimpses of him last year. And I don't know if he'll be quite good enough this year, uh, but if his maturation is accelerated, I think that'll be a really good situation for him. It'll help him immensely. Um, I don't know if they could sweep Ohio State and Michigan. I think they could maybe split. I think they'll be good games. So I think Penn State is a lot closer than maybe what people believe. Um, and then I think also Wisconsin with Luke Fickle. I don't know how much talent is there right now. I know he'll recruit it. And I saw what he did at Cincinnati. I played for the guy. I mean, he's as good as it gets. So I do believe that there are a couple other teams that are right on the fringe that if you win some games early, you start having success, then your guys start believing you can win, and then all of a sudden maybe you win those big games. So you brought up Wisconsin. All right, I want to go to the Western Division while it still exists for another year and talk <laughs> about those teams just for a minute. So my question is this. One year from now, or you know, come December, January, because there's two big hires in that Western Division, Matt Rule to Nebraska 
and uh, Fickle to Wisconsin. Come January, December, are Wisconsin or Nebraska fans going to feel better about their new coach? And one year isn't a big sample size. So the second part of my question is five years from now, who's going to be happier with their new coaching hire, in your opinion, Wisconsin hmm. or Nebraska? Who's going to be happier? That's, that, that's tough. I think both of them will be happy after this year. Um, I like Matt Rule as a coach. I mean, I think he did a heck of a job at Baylor. Um, he did a great job at Temple. I think Carolina has a pretty good roster. Everybody knows you can't win if you don't have a quarterback. And when they right. couldn't get that Stafford trade pulled off, I mean, they did a – you go watch their offense. I mean, they did a pretty good job with some smoke and mirrors of moving the football, especially when Christian McCaffrey got hurt. So they they were better, I think, than what people uh, believe. But when you're getting paid, you know, $12 million a year and you're not making the playoffs in the NFL, they're going to find someone new. So I do believe that he's good. I think he's got to recruit there really well. We'll see. We'll see if they can get uh, – your old teammate, one of my old teammates, his son, Donovan Rayola, if they can get uh, – or uh, Dominic Rayola, if they can get his son uh, rolling there. I mean, you get a quarterback, that answers a lot of questions. And then five years from now, I think they'd be elated. But they've got to recruit. You've got to keep those guys. Scott did it a little bit early on, but kind of faded off. Um, so I, I think that they, he can have Nebraska. Like, they lost so many close games. You know, mm-hmm. I think that they should win eight this year. You know, they should be right on the, the precipice of getting something done. Um, I know Wisconsin, like Luke Fickle's a heck of a coach and he's going to build a program. I wouldn't be surprised if they win eight or nine games this year and next year and the year after winning 10, 11 and knocking on the door. I mean, both of those teams, I would say in five years, should be teams that are expected each and every season to win double digit games. And I don't I don't think that's a hyperbole at all. Bobby, we, 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 won't, we go ahead, Adam. Go ahead. You had follow up, man. I was just going to say, because right now. I, I, I cover Nebraska football specifically. Dylan Riola, Dominic's son, is, he's like the most important person that's never attended the University of Nebraska. Okay, and I understand <laughs> he's talented and family connections, and I pray to God that he comes. But if he doesn't, I put out a post and tweet and said, one, pr- one player does not make or break a program. Okay, and most people understood that. Some did not, and that's perfectly cool. My question to you is how big of a deal is getting or not getting Dylan Riola for the University of Nebraska? Oh, I you you don't get them. I think that it, it it's it's a a funeral for a day. You know everybody's sad. They're upset. Like you're, you're sad. Whenever he commits to where he's going to commit. If you do get him, though, I will say this, and you see how you can get momentum in recruiting. People see that. Receivers see that. Like they want to go play with other with elite quarterbacks, and like you can get some momentum and get some things rolling in the right direction. So, I I think it would be devastating for that day. But if you can go get another guy who's pretty darn good, because he committed to Ohio State and he left, and everybody's like, oh, I don't believe him. I mean, I played with Dom in Detroit. I was hoping that he was going to come here. I was excited about it. You know, but it's like, okay, then you, know, you just got to be able to have a backup plan. And they you know, get, you know, the, the Aaron Nolan kid from Georgia, and he's supposed to be really good, heck of a player. So, you know, it's, it all, all is well that ends well. So if you get him, awesome. If you don't get him, you just got to find somebody that you believe can be the guy. And I, I don't know who that is. I know Matt's a heck of a coach, and he's done a really good job. But it'll be tough for that moment. But as long as you can put together a class, and then you have to have – I mean, you got to win some damn games, man. Like, mm-hmm. you can't yep. lose games on the last stinking drive when you're just like – like, they could have beat Ohio State. They're just like giving the football, throwing it in the air. I'm like, what? <laughs> I, don't, I really felt bad. I was doing, so did I. <laughs> I was doing the Thursday show on the big – Jay Foreman, I'm like, Jay, I don't even know what to say. Like, they yeah. just find a unique way every week to somehow be within the number 
get somehow lose on the final drive. And so I want Nebraska to be good. It's better for the Big Ten. I play with Shanley. All these, like, I want to see them have success. And if they win, you start turning over. I think it'll turn around because, you know, this. I mean, very few places in the country anymore can fill up 90-plus. Like, it's tough. Yeah. It's really hard. You can do that. There's fan passion. There's facilities. There's a desire to win. If you have that stuff, once you get the winning, the momentum starts to build. And then I think you can get something special going. All right, Bobby, we'll get you out of here on this. Later this month, it's the NFL draft. Both you two on the screen have been drafted into the NFL. My claim to fame is I once made it on an ESPN NFL draft commercial. So I ask you this, uh, when it comes when it comes to the draft process, what was it like for you? And what do you remember about it leading into being drafted into the NFL? You know, I, I just remember being pretty stressful. Like, you're coming. I, I love talking to guys like the Ohio State's they're leaving. I'm like, dude, your your senior year, final year through your end of your rookie year is just like a blur. You don't remember anything because you're ramping up to have a great season. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, you're thrown into combine training, senior bowl, whatever, all-star games, then co- you know, then the combine, then the senior or your your pro day. Then you you know get drafted, then you're at mini camp and you're trying to learn stuff. And next thing you know, you're in training camp and before you know, it's like Thanksgiving. Like, gosh, we still have six games to go. Like, what's what's going on? And it, I just remember that whole year being like, just like physically and emotionally wearing you down. They talk about the rookie wall, and, and we made the playoffs. That's the year that you know Romo ended up fumbling the ball in Seattle, and it was like devastating. And you get a new life, but like I was just emotionally exhausted. Come January, like you, you had nothing left, and I was rehabbing a broken ankle after the Michigan game my senior year. So like you threw that in it. And it's just, it's hard. It, it wears you down. So tell those guys, like, you'll come up for air, like, next January or maybe in February if you go to the playoffs and you'll have a run. But it'll be the longest and, like, most stressful year of your life. You'll love it, and it's great. You'll learn a lot about the process. And the reality is the only thing you'll ever be able to do with that experience is then give it to someone else because you can never use it again for yourself. Hey, Bobby, this was a blast, man. Thanks for joining me and Adam here on the Big Ten Show. Look forward to our next conversation. Enjoy that sunshine in the background. I know for all of us up here in the Midwest, we haven't had enough of it over the last few months, man. But thanks so much for the time today. We appreciate it. Well, thanks. Hopefully next time I'll be in my home office. I'm sorry, guys. I, I teach a class over at Ohio State, so I had to get to the Perfe- Wait a second. That's is that is that Professor Carpenter now? Yeah, it's a finance class, so it's, it's, it starts at like 345, 350. I didn't have time to drive in and do all that, so I wanted to be – I, I appreciate you kind of uh, bearing with me here. And thanks oh, for man. Hey, man, be well, dude. Yeah, Thank thanks you. for joining us, man. That's Bobby Carpenter with us there. So, Adam, I'm going to follow up real quick on that. What, what do you remember about your about your uh, draft process? I, 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 everything he said. I mean, it, it was a blur. It was nothing you'll ever use again, especially training for the combine. It's You're training for a track meet. I was like, this is – after the combine's over, this stuff is so useless. Uh, it's not going to help me at all. It's, in fact, I thought it made me a worse football player because I was focused really? on stuff that didn't help me for football. You know, I'm learning the pro agility, and I'm counting my steps to the right and then to the left and then all this stuff versus, you know, working on just getting bigger, faster, stronger. And we did some. I, we had a defensive line position coach that I worked with. But, again, it was more about the drills I was going to do with the, the defensive coaches from different teams than it was actually purely getting better. I, I couldn't have said it any better. I'm Bobby, former first-round draft pick. So uh, I couldn't have said it any better. And I, I could add some things, but I don't really see the point.
Yeah, man. I mean, it seems to be reiterated by so many people that that blur word continues to come up throughout the NFL draft process, man. He's Adam Carricker. I'm Jeff Turn. This is the Big Ten Show. We appreciate Bobby Carpenter joining us there. Let's jump around a little bit, man, to some of the spring football storylines throughout the Big Ten here for a second. I know we hit a lot on Ohio State and Nebraska there, but I wanted to go back to Iowa real quick for a second. You know, this is a team that consistently finds itself in the mix in their division. They put up a lot of wins. And even last year, it felt like halfway through the year, you know, Kirk Ferentz was gone. He was going to get fired. For sure, his son was going to be gone. And his son gets the extension with the caveat they have to score a certain amount of points or he ain't going to keep his job. Is is it all about offense at, at Iowa this year? Do you think that's what they're working on the most in spring? Oh, well, if they're not, it should be. And I've, I've, I was going to say lovingly, but not lovingly. Jokingly called him baby Ferentz in the past because his dad is the head coach and whatnot. You know, Nebraska guy having some fun with some Iowa guys. But I got to be honest. I didn't Dude, think I'd ever that you guys that you froze on me again on this, man. You're looking great. Uh, we're going to get you back here in a second. Adam Carricker is going to reconnect. There we go. We got you back. You froze for just a, you froze for just a second on us. The pictures we're going to have on this show of the people that freeze on zooms and things that are just amazing. We got one with Bobby. We're just going to do a collage on Twitter someday. It's going to be great. That one was great of you. I'm just going to start cutting these, man. We're going to put them up on everybody can start laughing at us. Fortunately, this ugly bug hasn't froze yet, but when it does, we'll get it up as well. <laughs> but, but but yeah, go back to if, if they aren't, I mean, they're stupid, right? Yeah, for sure. What was the last thing you heard me say? I heard you say if they don't, and then you went froze on us. All right. So first of all, I have, you know, in shows I've done in the past, I mean, I've had banners fall down on my head before. <laughs> it's and great, I, and I, I turned around, I looked and I said, yeah, we're just going to keep rolling. We're using this take. So it's, it's all good. Right. Absolutely, man. We're not, man. We, worry about the we're not stopping. We're here to have fun, talk sports, yeah. football, whatever the case may be. Big 10. Hey, maybe one day when USC and UCLA join, we can do a show out in LA that we could join Bobby in the sunshine. By the way, finance. That that's a that that's like he's smart, not just yeah. a professor of like, yeah. you know, football communications or yeah, whatever, you know. Yeah. So anyways, I digress. No, what I said is on previous shows that I've done, I have referred to Brian Ferentz as baby Ferentz. Okay. Kind of poking the Iowa thing, just being a Nebraska guy. But I, we legit, in my opinion, witnessed daddy ball last year. I never thought I'd witness daddy ball at a division one major college football level or any sort of level beyond high school. Like they averaged 18.8 points per game. At one point they were dead last out of 131 uh, teams in Division One college football. When it come up to when it came to putting up points, I think they finished around one seventeen. Now it's legit in his contract. If you can't put up twenty five points a game, you're gone. So for Iowa, it's got to be all about offense. And, and, and when I say all, obviously the defense is practicing too, but the offense has to be the focus. They're going to run the ball. They're going to play great defense. They're going to be disciplined. They're going to play great special teams. They're going to beat teams with more talent because that's what they do. But are they actually going to score points? And if they were able to do that, that could actually catapult them into another level that they haven't been. I mean, they've been eight and four, nine and three, seven and five, every once in a while, 10 and two. I know they went uh, undefeated the one year and then the Rose Bowl didn't go great with Christian McCaffrey and Stanford. But it's one of those things where if they could score more points, it would catapult them to another level or for now, just, you know, keep their offensive coordinator's job. Yeah, let's go a little north then for a second because P.J. Fleck has the moniker, row the boat. But I think if you look at that team and what Mo Ibrahim brought to the table last year, it was all about rushing the football. And then that defense controlled a lot of the tempo and allowed them to, to set the run up. I mean, they didn't have to pass all the time because they were always in a lot of those games. I, I think this year, that defense and looking at who they bring back and what they can do, I mean, I think that's going to be a big staple of the success if they have success 
with the Gophers. What else are you looking at with Minnesota? I think you kind of just nailed it. You know, I'm always enamored by P.J. Fleck. He, he's a guy, was it Central Michigan, Western Michigan? I forget which one. Western Michigan, Michigan, yeah. Western yeah. Michigan. It yeah. could be North, South, Eastern Michigan. You know, <laughs> for all I know. But he takes them, he builds them up, goes undefeated. And they played Wisconsin down to the wire in the Cotton Bowl that year, okay, in, in a New Year's Six Bowl game. Then he comes to Minnesota, and he's built this thing up. And, you know, it's funny. I like P.J. I'm a, I am entertained by P.J. I think he's a good coach. Everywhere he goes, he has success. I get also entertained by people who aren't the biggest fans of P.J., and they find him cheesy or corny or whatever you want to phrase it. I'm like, all he does is beat teams with more talent consistently. And he keeps building things everywhere he goes. I'm always enamored when I think of Minnesota football. I think of P.J. Fleck. So I'm just, I'm always watching him and entertained by him. Yeah, when you had Mo Ibrahim last year, you were going to run the ball. That was, your offense was going to revolve around that. One of the best backs in America. How do they adjust to not having one of the best backs in America? And, you know, how does P.J. handle this? And hopefully he can start to build on the momentum he's already built through his first few years as a head coach. And I want to go to Michigan State next. We talked a little Michigan earlier, too. But I think when you talk about Michigan State, um, you know, there's a little bit of a, a quarterback debate there. And, and then you, you had two years ago where you were really, really good. And then last year you fall off some. And you're paying your head coach a boatload of money uh, to be your head guy. I, I think, you know, for them, trying to make sure that that offense continues to evolve is going to be a storyline this spring. The Michigan State always has had good defenses, too. So, I think just consistency maybe from a year ago to now would be something I'd focus on if I was Michigan State. I mean, yeah, if you look at Michigan State, you're paying your head coach nine and a half mil a year. You took him from Colorado with this big payday. You're expecting some sort of, you know, output or productivity on a consistent basis, kind of like A&M with Jimbo Fisher. They're kind of going through something a little bit similar. I'm actually going to go back to Michigan because we just briefly covered Michigan. All right, when you look at Michigan, for them, because you mentioned Ohio State kind of being the class of the Big Ten. or is anybody 11 wins up? prediction, yeah. Yeah, catch up to Ohio State when we were talking to Bobby. And actually, Michigan's the two-time defending champs. They beat them two years in a row by an average of 18.5 points during those two games. Okay, 15 points a couple of years ago. And I wrote it down here. Let me see if I can sound halfway intelligent. They beat them 45-23 <laughs> a year ago. And with seven and a half minutes to go in the game, it was a one-score game. And then Michigan just ran away with it. But the question for me with Michigan – can they get after the quarterback? Because Aiden Hutchinson, David and Jabu, they, they couldn't replace that production a year ago. They've got their starting quarterback, running back, uh, coming back. They've got, for two years in a row, they've had literally won the award for the best offensive line in the country. They're the most physical team in the Big Ten. They've got enough athleticism to compete with just about anybody. Okay, but when TCU dropped 51, okay, in the college football playoff, they didn't really, I mean, they ran the ball, but it was it was the inability of Michigan to get after the quarterback consistently, especially without having to blitz all the time. Can they find somebody to come off the edge and provide from pressure, some pressure? If Ohio State can find a quarterback to step up, okay, that's what Ohio State's looking for to replace C.J. Stroud. Kyle McCord has been his backup the past couple of years. you got a young, talented guy in Devin Brown. That's what Ohio State's looking for, plus they got to be more physical if they're going to beat Michigan. With Michigan is can we get after the quarterback? Okay, because they're going to be physical. They've got enough talent. They've got a lot of guys returning with high productivity. Can they get after the quarterback is my big question for Michigan. With Michigan State, they got to find some sort of level of consistency. They've actually had a losing season, two of, the, of Mel Tucker's first three years. And Mel Tucker himself had three losing seasons in the past four years, if you go back to his last year with Colorado. So they got to find some sort of level of consistency on their end, and especially when it comes to stopping the pass. 
I'll never forget a couple of years ago, Ohio State just lit them up. I think they had 49 points in the first half, like a million touchdown passes. And I'm going to round down when I say that. So can they stop the pass defensively? Can they find some sort of level of consistency as a football program? And we've had uh, spring games underway, Michigan on April 1st, Indiana, Ohio State, uh, Penn State, all coming up, Illinois, Nebraska, um, all coming up here in the month of April, along with Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Northwestern, and others. I mean, listen, it's, it's going to be an interesting time for some of those position battles to play themselves out. And uh, we'll continue to talk about those over the next couple of weeks as we see some of those storylines coming out of spring camp. Bobby, let's play a little, I, I mean, Bobby, Adam, excuse me. I'm so excited about having Bobby earlier that I'm mistaken. I know we look defensive. so much alike. We're like twins. I mean, you guys both played in the NFL on the defensive side of the football. If you had you two next to each other and people were just like, oh, those guys played in the NFL. I, I'm probably not the first guy that would mistake you two. Uh, let's play a little take your pick here because I want you to go, who's going to have more wins in 2023? And I sort of grouped these uh, with, some of the odds that we have out there. And I'll give you actually the win total for each of these teams, uh, just so we have it for transparency stake, uh, sake, excuse me. But I want to start with Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, as I said earlier, nine and a half wins is the projected total for Michigan. 11 wins is the projected total for uh, the Ohio State. Who's going to have more wins in 2023, Adam? Take your pick. Now, when we discussed this before the show, you talked about the long-term prospects of the program so i understand i mean long term i mean i'm thinking like not not week one you can go long term that's fine i mean for me like five years oh gosh all right man let's throw an audible then we go long term that's fine (laughs) i was thinking like maybe december okay like i was living in the world that like we're not going to talk about who's going to start four and oh all right let's go let's go long term i'm cool with that I'll just give the win total so people can talk about what Adam considers to be the short term of an entirely long uh, college football season. All right, Michigan or Ohio State, take your pick. Better long-term success. I'll make a deal with you. Next time, we'll do the win total for this upcoming season. How's deal. that sound? Deal. So, Sounds good. Long-term success. I mean, you got they're the two top programs in the Big Ten right now. You know, this was yeah. kind of a tough decision for me. I went with Harbaugh, and I went okay. with Harbaugh because he has built Michigan into what it is now. Ryan Day inherited what Urban Meyer had built, and not to take away that Ryan Day's a great coach, not to take away from what he's done, but for me, it's much easier to maintain what has already been built than it is to build it up. So my question, or my thought process is, Harbaugh has built it up. He took Stanford to heights that Stanford had never been to, or at least not in a long time. He did it with the Niners. He was in the Super Bowl within a couple of years. He knows how to build teams up and take them to the next level. Right now, all Ryan Day's had to do is maintain. And he's even starting to receive some criticism because of the struggles against Michigan. You know, we talked about C.J. Stroud receiving five weeks of criticism going into that Georgia game. So did Ryan Day. And one question I I thought about asking Bobby that I decided not to was, is there a situation where Ryan Day could possibly be on the hot seat at the end of this year? And I'm not saying that that the team implodes, but if you lose to Michigan by 18 and a half points, you know, because that's what the last two years average has been, and you don't make the Big Ten title game, and let's say you don't get a little bit lucky and get into the college football playoff, does that seat get a little bit warm? Long-winded answer. Short answer is Jim Harbaugh. All right, so the win totals – we'll get to the win total predictions next time around, but as far as this season is concerned, Indiana, four wins, Northwestern, three and a half. So it sort of tells you where they're at right now with regards to the odds makers as far as where the program is currently at. Long-term success, Northwestern or Indiana? 
So uh, with a lot of these, you're going to hear me talk about the coaches because there's no more important man on campus for a college football program than the head coach. So that, that's, that, that's what I did a lot of my research into. You look, look at a year ago, like, like they were four and eight, Indiana, Northwestern one eleven. Okay. And Northwestern's had a couple of tough years in a row, but then I look at the coaches, Thomas Allen, fine coach. They were two and 10 a year ago. So right. a couple of rough seasons after they had a promising year, three or four years ago. All right. Pat's Fitzgerald. He he's now the fifth longest tenured head coach in all of college football has been there since 2006. He has proven kind of like Jim Harbaugh. He knows how to build. He knows how to win there specifically at Northwestern. He was obviously a player on that 93 Rose bowl, big 10 championship team. Okay. The last time Northwestern played in the Rose bowl, won a big 10 title. So for me, I'm going to go with Pat Fitzgerald and Northwestern for that reason. All right, next, I want to go to Iowa and Penn State. And actually, this one might surprise some people. Penn State's projected to have eight and a half wins this year. Iowa, seven and a half. But both these these programs are consistently in the mix. And we all know who their head coaches are uh, in Franklin and in Ference. And they they usually are at pretty darn good bowl games. Long-term success, who are you taking here? I'm going to go with Franklin. And Bobby mentioned earlier about the new quarterback, Aller, that everyone's excited with, uh, yep. excited about. A lot of them wanted him to start playing last year. Okay, he's going to get his chance. Now, the thing that's going to hurt him, they don't have a whole lot of experience at receiver. They are lacking at the receiver position. And if they didn't have that issue, I guarantee that win total would be about 10 and 2, with maybe Michigan and Ohio State being their only projected losses at this point. You look at Iowa, I mean, we just sat here and talked about can they score points? Uh, is their offensive coordinator going to be back after this year? So I'm going to go with Penn State. You know, right now, they're consistently the third best team in the Big Ten. Wisconsin nips at their heels. Uh, from time to time, but I'm going to go with Penn State. They're the third most talented. They recruit the third best in the Big Ten, and I feel like with the quarterback position and some of the young guys at running back, you know, the question, they're in a good spot. They'd be in a great spot if they had, I mean, they were better fitted at wide receiver right now. And I'd agree with you on that, too. I think a lot of the success has been the consistency of Kirk Ferentz, and even with the offensive woes at times, he brings that stable force to that program and eventually he's going to move on and then you're going to have to reboot. And so with Franklin, if he moves on, it's probably to a better job because that's at least what, what he's flirted with in the past. And maybe that's the NFL. Maybe that's something in the SEC. But I, I think right now I'd go with that as well. Nebraska and Minnesota both have the same win total uh, expectations this year, according to the odds makers. Seven and a half wins is the mark for Minnesota and for Nebraska. You got PJ, you got Matt Rule. Who are you taking long term here, Mr. Nebraska? So... All right. I, I just got done talking about how much I love PJ. Uh, but my question has been, can he get them to the next level? It was similar to the Iowa question. Yep. I, I don't think they will at Iowa without a new offensive coordinator. We we know who they are offensively unless maybe Ferentz comes out and just starts running, you know, three, four wide receivers, the spread, the read option stuff we ain't seen. And frankly, stuff they don't have the personnel for. So for me, I think there's still more question marks about what you know, PJ can do, how high can he take Minnesota? Obviously, if we were to go for right now, which program's in a better spot, it's unequivocally Minnesota at this moment in time. It's not even a debate. It'd be kind of a laughable question. But when we're thinking about long-term, Matt Rule's a guy who had Baylor 11-1. and He's a guy who's won, been in multiple conference championship games, won one with Temple. I mean, these are two programs that were just really, really bad, to put it nicely, when he took over. And by the time he was done, they were top 10, double-digit right. wins, playing a conference championship game. So I think the long-term ceiling is higher for Nebraska. Now, whether they'll get there or not remains to be seen. But I think the ceiling is higher. Right now, Minnesota's in a much better spot. But I'm going to go with Nebraska five years from now being in a better spot than Minnesota. 
So the win totals on this one are four and a half for the Illini this year, Michigan State seven and a half. But this is the one where I'd take Brett Bielema over Mel Tucker, and I'd take Illinois over Michigan State over the next five years. Dude, okay, first of all, do you have any disagreements from anything? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I was with all of those, man. I'm, I'm with what you on all those. Okay. No, none of, none of this well, point. Well, that's boring. All right. Uh, so I'm with smart you. minds think alike. I don't know Dude. how to do yeah. <laughs> I, I, I We're just going to go with that. Dude, so when I, I mean, initially, I like circled Mel Tucker because Michigan State, Illinois. But then I start comparing the coaches. And again, Mel Tucker is a good football coach. But sure, five sure. And seven, five and seven last year, 11 and two the year before. Okay, two and five during COVID, five and seven his last year at Colorado. So again, three of his four seasons, he his last four seasons, he's had a losing record. All right, right. His overall head coaching record is 25 and 24. Okay, that doesn't really justify nine and a half million no. to me. You look at Brett Bielema, and I, Bielema, and I know he didn't do good at Arkansas, but he's a Big Ten guy. Look at what he did in the Big Ten, especially at Wisconsin. Three Big Ten titles, 68 and 24 record, 110 and 70 overall as a head coach. He's a Big Ten guy who knows how to win in the Big Ten, and they had one of the best defenses in the country last year without being one of the most talented defenses in the country. Yes, I can't believe we're in agreement. We both are taking Illinois yeah. over Michigan State. Yeah, I'm taking that, too. All right, let's run through these last two quick, man. Uh, Purdue and Wisconsin. Purdue's predicted to have seven wins this year, Wisconsin nine. But to me, this one's easy. I'll take Wisconsin over the next five years for sure. Yeah, I think it's pretty easy. Uh, yeah. No disrespect to Ryan Walters, who was just named the head coach of Purdue right. last December. And Purdue made the Big Ten championship game, but they they had a boatload of super seniors that are not going to be back next year, and that's going to hurt them. Luke Fickle taking over Wisconsin. Maybe, arguably, the top one or two uh, offseason head coaching hires of this entire offseason. So I'm going to go with Wisconsin. And finally, Rutgers and Maryland, you know, I, I just feel like these two teams are going to be competing to be the worst teams in the conference <laughs> uh, for the next five years. So who's not going to suck more, uh, Rutgers or Maryland? I'll take Rutgers to suck less than Maryland, slightly. Did we really agree on all these? All these, baby. We, did, we didn't see any of these. We didn't show each other any no. of these. I got these all circled in the same all as right. you, man. I love it, man. That is insane. So here's what I wrote down for this particular pairing okay these teams are not in the big 10 for football they are in the big 10 for their tv markets yes they are not that good at football <laughs> yes that's, that's all you did we'll wrap it up hey we promised maryland and rutgers you guys start winning some games and we'll give you all kinds of love to make up for our comments right yeah. there but right now you haven't done enough uh adam character i'm jeff turn this is the big 10 show and adam before we wrap up today i wanted to just hit quickly on basketball for a second and the women's side of things because nobody brought more eyes onto the sport of women's basketball I think in the last decade plus than what Caitlin Clark did this year for Iowa now we're a little over a week after they lose in the championship game to LSU and what a season LSU had what a, what a win for them but I, I was under the impression that you know you would see the transfer portal affect all sports but I, I think this offseason you may see an example of where an individual, not the program, not the coach, usually it's the program, the coach, or playing time, but I think an individual here in Caitlin Clark is going to show us what a star can do for the transfer portal, and by that, I mean, if you're somebody that wants to transfer and, and be on TV a lot and have a chance to win a national championship playing alongside a great player, not maybe being the best, but being alongside a great player, this is where I think Iowa will have uh, you know, sort of the the criteria for how it works. And I, I could see Caitlin Clark attracting a lot of talent to Iowa city to play alongside her this year. I mean, she's not Tom Brady, but she, it's a Tom Brady like effect. Sure. Where everyone just wanted to go to Tampa and play with him. It could be that type. Look at what Iowa was able to do. And she was by far the best player. 
yep. on their team in the country as well. You're talking about 40 point triple doubles that have never been done back to back 40 point games that have never been done in the NCAA tournament. When they, when they beat number one, South Carolina, she was, uh, she either scored or assisted on all of Iowa's final 18 points. That a crazy. Here's when I became a fan. Okay. By the way, I, I picked Rutgers over Maryland. I don't know if I ever said that <laughs> just because of Greg Schiano. Again, okay, the ceiling right. is higher. I, right. I don't know how good they are, are going to be right. this year, but for me, when the whole Angel Reese thing and the whole pointing to the ring finger and you can't see me, John Cena thing, when, when Clark, when Caitlin Clark came out and said she shouldn't be receiving flack for this, we're right. competitors. Like we were going at each other. Like basically, I, I don't have the quote in front of me, but I'm going to paraphrase. Basically, she shouldn't be receiving the criticism she's receiving. We were both doing it. We were competing. That's the instant I became a Cl- Caitlin Clark, Caitlin Clark fan i apologize for butchering that caitlin and i'm curious to see who she does attract to iowa because no disrespect but there's not a lot else that's going to attract people there no. they're not known for basketball is what i exactly mean. right and so if they go there it's because of her i agree man it's gonna be very cool to see sort of an interesting wrinkle to what is the transfer portal especially in women's college basketball that's gonna wrap it up for today adam this was a blast everybody can find us on the believe podcast network youtube itunes spotify that's where you can hang out with us twice a week with the Big Ten Show. Uh, Adam, look forward to the next one, man, as another page has turned here on the Big Ten Show. We'll see you next time, y'all.